This is the Historian's Podcast, Extra Edition number three, an update on coronavirus and other topics from Amsterdam Mayor Mike Sinquanti. Thanks for joining us, Mayor. Thanks for having me again, Bob. A resident of an adult living center in Amsterdam has tested positive for COVID-19. That's at the Sentinel in downtown Amsterdam. Can can you tell us any more about that or any other cases of of uh, that have developed of the COVID virus? Um, yes, Bob. Uh, it is unfortunate that someone, uh, one of the, one of the residents at the Sentinel, did uh, contract the virus. Uh, I spoke with um, the administrator down there um, on Monday. Um, and it is an individual uh, who's been tested positive. Um, they have that person isolated. Um, uh, they are testing other people who that person came in contact with that have symptoms of, and that, that show any symptoms of the disease. Um, you know, they, they, there's, been, there's been enough um, media and study about this now that they have much more information in terms of protecting a community like that that they did before, but it's still a very, very, um, you know, sensitive and dangerous time uh, for for any any home that houses a, a bunch of senior citizens closely together, uh, because this mm-hmm. virus ravages senior citizens. So they're they're working very hard to control it, and um, you know they they have the, the support of the county health department is there, um, our medical community. We've offered to do whatever we can to help. But, uh, you know, we're praying, and, and hopefully they can keep it under control. Mm-hmm. And the Sentinels is not a nursing home. It's an adult home, right? No. I mean, with it's apartments It's an assisted and living facility so for seniors, yes. So uh, these people didn't necessarily have uh, medical conditions, but but being the ages they are and the, the coronavirus affecting does, it's, it's a particular concern uh, at this time. Um, and, and so it's, it's really... Um, you know, it's really something everybody's uh, very, very concerned about and is keeping a close eye on. Last time we talked, two weeks ago, you did let us uh, know that your granddaughter, Marissa Franklin, uh, down in Brooklyn, had tested positive for COVID-19, was nearing the end of her pregnancy. How are she and her family doing? Well, thank you for asking. It's my daughter, actually, Marissa, and she's, um, she she has been getting better and stronger physically every day. Um, the symptoms from the virus have pretty much disappeared. Um, she's just a little congested. Uh, she's been to the doctor and, uh, you know, this week we find found out that what, what the, uh, she needs to do is to take two, two negative tests within a 48 hour period. Um, so that she can get into the hospital and et cetera. And she's taken those tests and the first one came back negative Today, you know, or I'm sorry, negative uh, this past weekend, which means that uh, if she passes another test, which the results should be coming in today, um, she's clean of the virus. So we're very excited about that. We've you know, uh, prayed a lot for it. And I know I want to thank everyone uh, in, in the community who, who's been praying for my daughter. It's been fantastic. I mean, the support has been wonderful. And the baby's fine. And we're hoping uh, her due date is on Friday. Uh, we think it, since it's her first child, we think it's going to be a little later than Friday. Unfortunately for her, um, she's going to have to wait a little bit longer. But at the same time, um, you know, very, very excited and very, very thankful that um, she's uh, evidently, uh, you know, she survived the virus and this baby oh. is going to be fine. That's wonderful to hear, Mayor. Yeah. Uh, and last last time we spoke, this is not 
uh, a good story. Uh, the last time we spoke, uh, Dave Swart had not passed away, but he did um, pass away. Amsterdam's first COVID-19 uh, fatality. Are you, uh, you, I see a lot still posted on Facebook about this by his uh, widow now, uh, Pam Frollo Swart. Uh, and so the concern or his his example and the way he uh, uh, courageously faced the virus uh, continues. Yeah, absolutely. You know, David uh, was a 30-year firefighter in our city, and uh, he spent his life, uh, you know, risking his life to help protect ours. And um, when, it, it's, it's ironic. It's tragic. It's ironic. But it's also ironic that he would be uh, the first fatality, um, again, as, a, as an emergency responder in our city, they have always been the first ones uh, to danger, and they've always fought it courageously, uh, and David did it exactly the same way in death here. Unfortunately, he lost that battle, but his example and his uh, wife Pam's ability to share um, that experience was a major lesson, uh, a hard-learned lesson for our city that you know we had to take this seriously, and I think that in his death, um, that, that is... That is what David did. You know, he showed us all again, uh, you know, the dangers, and and um, he fought them. He fought them bravely, and this time he lost the battle. But I think, uh, you know, I think he's a hero. Mm-hmm. The um, testing continues for the coronavirus. Is there more testing in Montgomery County, or is that not been, being done now? Yes, there has been. And as we uh, we um, the county the county health department. Um, Sarah Barenko, who's our, our director of county health, informed me that we had received 150 more testing kits uh, a couple of weeks ago. And naturally, when you get more testing kits, you're able to do more tests. And naturally, with this virus, when you do more tests, you find more positive cases. So, um, But the positive cases here in Montgomery County have spiked from uh, 20 to 33 over the past week. Um, uh, and so you know, we, we, that, that's what, that's what happens. Uh, we are still very, very fortunate in the sense that it, it's, uh, the percentages of people who are infected by this. Um, but at the same time, one is too many in our opinion. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but that's, what's happening. Do you know the, the locations within the County? I mean, are, are a number of them in Amsterdam or are they up, as we say, well, if they're we up County, you know, they more? don't share. They don't. We do, we don't share that information publicly due to HIPAA and things like that. But um, you know, uh, it, th- we we do know that St. Mary's is the main care provider, and 11 of those 33 people have required hospitalization. Um, I'm I'm sorry. 11 11 of those 33 people have actually been been declared clear of the virus. They've been cured. Uh-huh. Um, there are three. There are three still in the hospital. Uh, one is one is in tough, serious condition. Um, David Swart, of course, passed away. He was the fourth one, um, and uh, so so you know, uh, it's spread throughout the county. But because Amsterdam is the largest portion of the county, most of the, you know the majority of the cases are in the city here. Mm-hmm. It, now you uh, do a, a column every other week for the Recorder newspaper. I didn't have a chance to see it before we did this interview. What what, what did you talk about in your uh, column this week? Well, sort of. What what I try to do is is uh, you know, it wasn't the intent when we started the column, but it's becoming the coronavirus update sort of uh, 
column, um, and, and it won't be for, I hope, much longer. Uh, but basically what I did was I addressed, you know, the status of the, the, status of the virus here in the county, but also uh, talked about the, um, the impact on our government and, uh, you know, what's, and the impact on our community. Um, it's, it's, been, it's, it's not easy to, um, it's not easy for people to live in a, a, this, this atmosphere of social distancing. It's not easy for a government to, to administer in this atmosphere environment of social distancing. And uh, it creates a lot of uh, challenges that we have to overcome many of them social, some of them financial. And so we talked about how um, a city like Amsterdam, I talked about in the column how Amsterdam is trying to, uh, you know, we entered this pandemic with a fiscal problem, uh, which we were working on uh, feverishly to try and resolve. Uh, we, had, we were trying to finance, refinance our deficit, uh, thanks to legislation from New York State last year. And uh, we were in the process of going to bond, and the bond market collapsed. Um, Nobody wants. Um, I'm sorry. Nobody wants. No. Nobody wants to invest money in municipalities or stocks, and mm -hmm. uh, so as a result, we could not refinance our debt, um, and and we had planned on doing so. And mm. so, what we are we're, we're trying to do is, you know, get by without refinancing our debt until we are able to do so. And the federal government passed a stimulus package uh, in the beginning of April. And it looked promising that there would be money from municipalities like Amsterdam, which we could then use to do what we needed to do to continue functioning in the way that we wanted to function. And come to find out those, those funds that were made available were made available in one case to cities with 500,000 and more in population, and in another mm -hmm. case to governments with 2 million or more in population, both of which Amsterdam is far from. So we have been spending uh, time this week trying to uh, come up with a creative way uh, and to lobby with our legislators uh, to try and get uh, that funding uh, available, some of that funding available to Amsterdam. And, and the other thing in that, that package, uh, which, was, which Amsterdam can make use of, is when this whole thing started, the city was put under social distancing requirements. We had to um, send, we had to cut down on our workforce so that we could main, maintain services without the social distance, distance without being in non-compliance with social distancing. So we actually had to send people home. And, um, and, and we continued to pay them and their benefits. And um, what happened is in this new legislation, this new federal supplement for unemployment was also available. So that permits us to actually uh, take our, we, we call them non-essential. There's no employees in city government who are non-essential, but they are non-essential in a time of emergency is basically the difference there. Uh, but they're home, and uh, and so what we're able to do now is we're actually able to put them on a furlough, which means that we can utilize this basically unemployment funding that the federal government's mm -hmm. making, and we can uh, include it with New York State unemployment funding, and all of our furloughed workers can be home, receive their health insurance benefit, and as much compensation as they would have if if it was working regularly. So this this gives us a way to use those federal dollars to cut down the cash requirements the city has during this, this emergency period. So that's what we're doing. We're, we hope to have that implemented uh, next week. And, um, you know, we're, try, we're, we're trying to do everything we can, Bob, to, uh, to get through this very difficult time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a pandemic. It, our number one concern is the safety of our citizens and the safety of our employees. 
And in order to assure both, we need cash flow. And um, mm-hmm. so that's what we're trying to we're trying to do all those things at the same time. And it's challenging. It's challenging. Yeah. I, let me see if I understand. Would you stop paying them then, and they would be paid from some kind of uh, f- federal well, unemployment actually program? Actually, getting unemployment insurance, which has been supplemented by. Um, the federal government so that they they've bumped it up by up to $600 more per week so that people who were making, you know, if you go on unemployment, you don't get your full salary here in New York state, but now they're able to with the federal supplement. Mm-hmm. A couple of other uh, points, the common council held a virtual meeting. How did that go? It went well. Um, I'm, I'm was very proud of, uh, of all of us. Uh, my, my administrative assistant, Michelle Jackson, uh, took the bull by the horns and got us, uh, got us into zoom and with the age of zoom and she uh, set up the meeting and she <laughs> provided training for our common council members and she provided workstations. Uh, she did a great job. And, uh, the first meeting was certainly different. Um, but you know, it went off pretty well. We are going to improve upon it as the weeks go by, but more importantly, uh, now we're using zoom, regularly here in the city. I just spent an hour uh, on Zoom uh, with uh, our city engineer and an uh, and a engineering uh, firm talking about wastewater, uh, you know, and it was a really productive hour where I learned a lot, was able to look these people in the eye and, and ask them questions. Um, I, I do not like phone conferencing um, because you never know when someone really wants to say something. Usually a facial expression helps me uh, say, look at people and say, hey, this person has something to say, and you stop and, you know, you shut your mouth and let them talk. And that's what Zoom has over any kind of uh, video or audio conferencing. And, and so uh, we are, we, the, one of the real benefits of this pandemic, if there can be any, is the fact that we're getting smarter uh, technology-wise, and it's going to have tremendous benefits for us, our expertise as it builds for our aldermen and for myself, for our whole gov- or for our whole city government to be able to more effectively communicate uh, without actually being on site. Mm. Now, uh, another thing that happened since the last time we talked, first the Amsterdam Municipal Golf Course opened, but then you had to close it. What happened? Yeah. Um, the governor changed his his, I don't want to say the governor changed his mind. I think, uh, you know, the governor, whatever way he, whatever he uses to make his decisions, the, uh, the, uh, the conclusion changed. Uh, basically, we, we were following the guideline by opening the golf course that said you can open a, a public golf course providing you follow strict, re, strict social distancing requirements. And those strict social distancing requirements really change the, the operation of a golf course. For instance, you're only allowed one cart, one person per cart, whereas typically it's two. Uh, you're, those carts have to be six feet apart. Uh, there's no, you can't touch the pin in the hole. You, you know, typically you take the pin out when you putt. Well, you can't do that. We actually covered the holes so that the ball wouldn't go all the way in so they didn't have to reach into the hole. We took the rakes out of the traps. Um, we, there were no bathrooms, there were no, there's no restaurant or concession. Um, so that people literally, uh, right now, if you go up to our golf course, which is closed for golfing, you will find people walking down the trail. It's a great place to take a walk. It's the most beautiful spot in our city and people take advantage of it as a hiking trail and they can do so during this pandemic without fear of contracting the disease, just so long as they're six feet apart or, or whatever. 
Well, mm-hmm. the only difference between that and golf is that you, they use a cart instead of walk, and one two person, and then they get out and they hit a ball with a club that they they hold and put back right. in their bag. You know, so so really, it was a good way to exercise. Well, they changed that. The rule was, you know, the rule was modified that said golf courses, public golf courses, were no longer essential, and they were. Uh, so we closed it. Uh, we, yep. we, you know, we, there were a lot of people who didn't want us to open in the first place who were happy. Um, there are a lot of people who wanted us to open who are not so happy, but you know, again, we, we are, we are, I'm not the, the scientist or the expert. I look for guidance. Uh, we look for guidance from those who are studying these things and we pay, we pay attention and we comply. Mm. And the state of emergency in Amsterdam has been extended to what the end of this month the end of this month and and again uh, as i say in the column i think the key uh the key here with this uh with this disease is that until we find a way to uh cure it or a way to vaccinate against it there will be some form of social distancing in place um uh to protect our our citizens and so i don't see this i don't see our state of emergency ending at the end of this month I don't see it ending at the end of May. I don't see it ending into the summer. I think that what will, it, what will end it is science uh, coming up with a solution. And that solution may be the cure, the vaccination. It may be a way to social distance more, more effectively, uh, to test. You know, testing is such a key. Uh, if we knew who had this, if we were certain about who had this, it would be much easier to separate them from everyone else. But the problem with this is that we really don't know who has this until we test them. And to test everyone has proven thus far to be impossible. And mm. until we make that possible, uh, we're, it's a guessing game. And no one wants to guess with human lives. And, uh, you know, the spread of this thing, has, it's proven. We, we, we're going through it here in Amsterdam. Look at New York City. Uh, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And it's, uh, you know, people are worried. They're frightened. So uh, we extended the state of emergency per the governors uh, to the end of this month. We expect we expect there'll be in another extension until June and another one to July. At least I do, and um, so that's why you know with our furloughing program, um, I'm preparing budgets now for next year. I'm doing a worst case and a best case scenario because I I have to plan. We have to plan for a city. Uh, being run under the conditions of a pandemic and and one under the conditions of a more open, regular, normal mm-hmm. routine, and uh, so so those are the those are the things that we are trying to do now to prepare, regardless of what happens, uh, so that we're prepared to move forward. And one of the other things that we're working very hard on uh, is that is trying to bond because in addition to bonding to finance our debt. We have capital projects ready to go. Our Church Street project, we've got some wastewater treatment. Uh, our wastewater treatment facility has some real situations that we need to fix. Uh, we have the DRI, the Downtown Revitalization mm-hmm. Initiative, which is moving forward. And we, we need to get, you know, we need to put in place the monies that we intended to have in place to move those things forward. So we're working hard on that, and we will continue to work hard on that. And, um some are doing it from home and some are doing it from city hall, but we're, we are all working along in the same direction. One more point. Uh, have you scheduled uh, another food distribution? Yes, sir. Uh, it's going to be the 24th. What's next Friday? 
Uh, I think it's well, the 24th. This right? Friday. Yeah, the week. Uh, oh, yes. The 24th of April is a Friday. Yes. Uh, we have a, we've, we've, we've learned, we've had a great meeting over regarding our last food distribution and, um, you know, over what we could have done better. And we've, this great group of people that we work with, this great organization of people. Uh, so what we're doing is we're going to be doing another one up at Veterans Field. We're going to have more food. Uh, we were, instead of getting uh, 15 pallets, we're going to get the equivalent of 20 pallets of food this time. We're going to, um, and we're going to distribute it all via car because what we've also got is we've, we've come together and we've now got a schedule. It's up on our Facebook page, the tourism marketing page for Amsterdam, the city of Amsterdam, uh, that shows all of the food distributions that are taking place in our city for the rest of this month so that walk-up people have places where they can more easily walk to than Veterans Field. Um, and, so, and, and they're spread throughout the city. But we're going to do a, a major food distribution at Veterans Field again, all drive-in this time, because that was our most efficient way of distributing uh, the, the, the food. But we've also called in our National Guard, who, have, uh, who are going to be coming in. We're going to have a contingent of National Guardsmen do, and women doing the actual packaging and sorting of the food. Uh, so it's going to be a, a – we're hoping that we, we, can, we can, you know – get more people served uh, a better selection of food than ever before. And I'm very excited about that. Uh, you know, it what started as an effort uh, with the city to uh, help these organizations uh, at a time when, when trying to help, you know, distribute food was difficult, uh, is really evolving into something. Again, another okay. positive result of the, this crazy, horrible pandemic is um, that we are working together to do something like this. Well, thank you, Mayor, and best wishes uh, to your daughter. Uh, you've been listening uh, to the Historian's Podcast Extra Edition Number 3, an update on coronavirus and other topics from Amsterdam Mayor Mike Sinquanti. I'm Bob Cudmore.